We're continuing our series on finding rest from the book of Joshua. But first of all, the context or the commentary on Joshua really is in the book of Hebrews. And we'll read this again. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. As we've said before, Joshua is another form of the name of Jesus, Yeshua. And so Joshua is like a picture of Jesus and what he gives us, what those promises are in Jesus Christ. Joshua was the one who was out there demonstrating who Jesus Christ is and who was to come. And it says, if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. In other words, there's something ahead in our look at Joshua, something that I trust we will be able to understand in a deeper measure what the New Testament is all about, what Jesus is all about. That's the practical side of Christianity, I believe. And I trust that this will be very practical to us. What we just did in singing our songs and marching around and demonstrating like Joshua, you would say, well, how practical is that? What does that mean? Well, first of all, we are part of one another. We are his church. We are his kingdom. We are his people. And regardless of whether you're from the United States and just joining us, or you're leaving soon or whatever, God has made us part of one another in Jesus Christ. And we are an army. We are an entity. We're not just out there in our jobs, in our workplaces, by ourselves. He's put us to be members one of another. That's what church means. Church actually means the gathering. And so we come from various backgrounds and nations and languages, but God is forming us into an identity because you know what? We're going to spend a few more years with each other <laughs> and then a bunch of time endless time when we all get to heaven. And I believe there'll be conquests there. I believe that there'll be opportunities for us to put our talents and our identity of who we are, and particularly in Jesus Christ. Those gifts that you never knew you had are lying latent in you for God in his timing to bring it to be. And it says we'll get a new name. And a new name means a new identity or a new potential. And I believe we're not going to just sit on clouds and strum on a harp in heaven. I guarantee you, we will not. But we will have work and rest. Work and rest. How do I know that? Well, I really don't know other than the fact that I am seeing God created heaven and earth for man and for himself to come together and be productive. 
So we're all going to have talents we never knew we had. We're going to have opportunity. You got a new job or a new assignment? That's great. We rejoice with you. But we're going to have opportunities after we leave this body, after we leave this world, that are going to be incredible. And I can't wait to look for my place there. But there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. What is a Sabbath rest? It's not just sitting back. It means resting in who I am in Jesus Christ. That is a Sabbath rest. For whoever enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. We're going to have God's rest. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following the same pattern of disobedience. And what does the author of Hebrews mean there? Most of our work here on earth, most of it is futile, worthless. You build a house and it rots. You got to replace the curtains. You got to replace the flooring. Sometimes you even have to tear out some things in the building. That's the nature of the curse of sin in our lives here on earth. And the author here is saying, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Now that sounds like, come on, come on, which means do your best. Try harder, try harder, try harder. No, no. It means make an effort to relax and rest in Jesus Christ. Really, he is the one that can bring that heart rest that we need. We don't get it. I'll do better. I'll do better. No, it's not that way. Let's learn how this works. The battle belongs to the Lord. This is not our battle. It's his battle. And we'll hopefully understand that a little bit better this morning after we've gone through this. My points this morning are taken from a military handbook. No, I've never been in the military. And it was fun to have them here because these guys were just, you know, <laughs> real soldiers. And uh, if you remember, uh, me calling them out once in a while. <clears throat> they knew what the code is for the military because these guys were officers. They knew what the commander had given them to do. Very specific orders. So what I've done is I went back online. Man, it's amazing what you can find online. To the military, and this is not just U.S. military. This is across the board military procedures. The first thing is 
the commander's plan and order. The second thing is the operation of the plan and order, and that is a combat plan or order dealing with tactical operations and setting forth the mission of the unit. It deals with the commander's decision, plan of action, and such details as to the method of execution as will ensure coordinated action by the whole command. Did you understand that? Did you get it? Every word in there has a meaning. I wasn't ever in the military, and I'm glad I wasn't because that is so complicated, but everything means something. It has a reason. Each word is meaningful there. You thought the Bible was hard. Try looking at that document I'm talking about. Just type in military procedures or something like that manual. And then here's the operation plan to execute the details as to the method of execution as will ensure coordinated action by the whole command. Now that makes a little more sense. It's a little shorter, but not more specific. And then here, get this one. Advance by bounds. Well, in English, bounds can have several meanings. One is the dog bounded across the lawn. No, it's not that kind of a bound. Anybody else know another kind of bound? Boundary. Boundary. Another word, more specific, the parameters or the lines around the area. That's what boundaries means. And so we have to know what our target or what our responsibility is. And that's the way it is, not only for the military, but also for the church. We need to know what our boundaries are and how to execute what the commander says for us to do. And then fourthly, the objective complete. That's our goal. So that that objective, the physical, at least the military says physical, they don't say spiritual, but spiritual and physical are very, very close, folks. The physical object of the action taken or the effect desired. In other words, if you have an enemy or an area that is needing attention by the commander. He'll send you with specific orders. You go there and you do what he said and the result will be it is done and complete. That's the way the Christian life works as well. We're in the army. We're under a commander. And Joshua finally shows his real position, or should I say, the real Joshua, Jesus Christ, shows who he is. This is my commandment, he says. Go and baptize. Walk in faith. Do what I tell you, and you will reach the objective that I want. And so let's look at this in kind of a militaristic kind of way, okay? but applying it to the fact that we're in the Lord's army. 
were in the army of our Lord Jesus Christ, the commander-in-chief. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. Jericho is this fortress city. It is probably one of the oldest cities in the world, a fortified city. It was impenetrable, very difficult to get into the city, very thick and high walls, so much so that when they have excavated the ancient Jericho, they were amazed at the foundation that they dug up. It would make the imperial palace look like a shack. Have you seen the massive stones that are in the imperial palace down at the emperor's grounds there? And how those are all fitted together? They are massive stones. I'd like to know the weight. I wish Joe Cluse was here. He'd figure out how much those stones weigh. They're tons. I mean, can you imagine marching around something like that? And particularly that they were 30 to 40 feet tall. And that's about what I'd imagine some of the walls down there at the Imperial Palace are 30 or 40 or 50 feet tall. Don't know how much of it is down in the water and in the moat around. Need to picture Jericho was like that. It was a fortress. But the inhabitants were afraid. And what were they afraid of? The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. The Lord said this to Joshua. Number one, this is the commander's plan. Number one, you shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do it so for six days. That was the command. Number two, also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And the men of war would be in front of the ark, before the ark. Number three. Then on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. Okay, the first six days, once a day, they would walk around that large city with the men of war and the ark and the priests. And the priests shall blow the trumpets, the ram's horns. Number five, it shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, number six, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. And then number seven, and the people will go up every man straight ahead. Now it might sound to you like all the children of Israel were marching around the city of Jericho. I don't believe so. It was the men of war and the priests. The people were in the camp off away from the city of Jericho. But the men of war went there and they walked around Jericho. And the people inside, as we already read, the people inside Jericho were, oh, did you see those people? Oh, did you hear what they did? Did you hear what their God could do? They were scared. They were afraid. And God had put fear in their hearts. 
they'd heard some of the stories. We'll get to that a little bit of the stories that they heard. Our enemy is afraid. Chalk that down in your mind and in your heart. Our enemy is afraid of our Lord Jesus, the commander Jesus. And when we say his name, not just flippantly, but when we say and name his name, when there is a spiritual battle going on, there is strength and the enemy gets scared. And what does the enemy do? Head for their fortress. And where is the fortress? Unfortunately, sometimes it's in our hearts as well. There are areas in our hearts that Jesus wants you to open up and say, come in, Lord Jesus, and take over in this area of my life. And let the Holy Spirit talk to you about that. But the commander has his orders and we're to follow them implicitly. B, operation plan and order. Now this is our responsibility. The commander's already given the responsibility listed in seven points. But this now is for us, particularly if you are in leadership in the church or in your family, spiritual leadership. A key word here for operation plan is execution. In other words, implementing it, taking the truth of the Lord and making it your own, making it practical in your life. Not just something spiritual where you just throw off a prayer, oh God, help me, oh, this is a terrible situation. No, begin to name his promises. Begin to name his word or speak his word when you are in spiritual attack. Discouragement or people have talked about you or you've been put in a very bad situation. We're to incorporate, execute it, allow it to happen in your life. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you struggled that way when you think, well, I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed? Well, think about your prayers sometime. Oh Lord, help me, help me. And then we leave and we go and we forget what we prayed for. How do I know that? Because I've done it many, many times. And you have too. But when you really understand what the orders are and how to implement them in your life. It means this has to be practical. This can't just be something that I learned in Sunday school and I just say Jesus' name and poof. No, it doesn't happen that way. It means that we have to consider where are the areas where we have made compromises? We have walked in ways that are not pleasing to our commander-in-chief. And we need to begin to implement those things so that we can work as the people of God, knowing his strength and his spirit is with us and realizing what he has given us in his word and in his body. Perhaps we need to go to a brother or sister and say, I've got this situation that I'm struggling with. Would you stand with me in this? Would you really partner with me? Some of you are doing that, and that is good. Keep it up. We need each other. 
We need one another to hold us accountable to what we ask prayer for. So Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. The Ark is extremely, extremely important here, folks. We'll start on the top. First of all, we have the blood sprinkled on the Ark. The blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. And so this is a sacred sign or covering. And then we have in here the law, the tablets of the law. We need to walk according to God's word. These are our cherished rules of order for us to implement. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't murder. Don't steal those things. Those are the code of ethics. Code of ethics for those in God's army. Very simple ones. And Jesus fulfilled the whole thing. And then we have the golden jar of manna, that it is God's sign of his, what? His provision for us. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's all we need. And the ark is here to be a sign for us of God's presence and his provision for us. And this is Aaron's rod, representing what? What does this represent? That we need, we need, we need. This was proof of what we just talked about, of all the other things. This is the proof that Jesus Christ is truly the commander-in-chief. This was the sign that God gave to Moses for who was the right priest. When they came and said, why is Aaron the head priest? I'm just as good as he is. And so they argued among themselves. And then Moses said, each one of you from each tribe, bring a rod, your staff, and lay it before me. Put your name on it and lay it before me. And they left it there the whole night before the ark. He put it before the ark. And the people then waited all night. And in the morning they came and Aaron's rod budded, brought fruit, almonds, and flowers. It was alive, representing the coming high priest, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again and lives forever. He has all authority. He is the commander-in-chief. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is why we are here on Sunday morning, Resurrection Day. We celebrate it as Christians every week. This is resurrection morning. This is not Sunday. This is resurrection morning. And it's there as evidence. Then he said to the people, go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men go on before the ark of the Lord. 
And so it was that when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priest who blew the trumpets and the rear guard came after the ark while they continued to blow the trumpets. But Joshua commanded the people saying, you shall not shout nor let your voice be heard nor let a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I tell you, then you shall shout. So here they are six days and I don't know how long it took them to walk around Jericho, but they were not to let a word out of their mouth. They were to be quiet. But they were right out there in front of Jericho, marching around, but not a word, other than the ram's horns. And I asked one of our members if he'd bring his ram's horn, and he couldn't be here today. But I was wanting him to blow it here for us. The sound of the trumpet for all armies, I don't know how it is in the Japan army, there's no military people here at all, right? But the sound of a horn has something that just kind of pierces you, it brings you to attention, it wakes you up, it energizes, it's got energy in it. But he says, just hold it, don't say anything, don't say anything. And so he had the ark of the Lord taken around the city, circling at once. Then they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Now Joshua rose early in the morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord, seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark and went on continually and blew the trumpets and the armed men went before them and the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while they continued to blow the trumpets Thus, the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did so for six days. They knew that path very well. And then on the seventh day, they rose early at the dawning of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times that day. Only on that day, they marched around the city seven times. At the seventh time, when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you this city. The city was under the ban. It and all that is in it belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot and all who are with her in the house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. Remember, she put a scarlet cord out of her window. She lived on the wall. She was the harlot that the two spies had gone to, to get information about Jericho. But as for you, only keep yourselves from the things under the ban. In other words, you are not to take it. It's not yours. It is under the position of the commander-in-chief. And if you take contraband in the army, from what I understand, you go to jail or maybe you're executed, in fact. But all the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, and the priests blew the trumpets. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout, 
and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. In other words, immediately they moved forward toward the city. Well, that's what it means by straight forward. So they were walking in a circle, they gave the shout, the walls came crashing down, and they then marched forward into the city. And the objective was complete. They utterly destroyed everything in the city, both man and woman, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkey, with the edge of the sword. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the harlot's house and bring the woman and all she has out of there, as you have sworn to her. So the young men who were the spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brothers and all she had. They brought them. They also brought out all her relatives and placed them outside the camp of Israel. They burned the city with fire and all that was in it. Only the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. However, Rahab the harlot and her father's household and all she had, Joshua spared. And she has lived in the midst of Israel to this day. For she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Then Joshua made them take an oath at that time, saying, Cursed before the Lord is the man who rises up and builds this city Jericho. With the loss of his firstborn, he shall lay its foundation. And with the loss of his youngest son, he shall set its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame was in all the land. I've got a note here about the curse that was on the man who had rebuilt Jericho. And Jericho was rebuilt actually by the grandson of Ahab, a very wicked king. Now you might think in our society where you shouldn't ever condemn anyone, you shouldn't ever say anything bad about someone, even if they are doing something hideous. We Christians are getting the rap these days. We are being accused of being hard, harsh, unforgiving, and society is saying, we hate Christians. Just read your newspaper. No, uh, probably don't have a newspaper. Look in the internet. Just type in Christian in the news. I dare you to. It is not good for us these days. Society is turning to us and saying, we will not have your stupid, stupid Bible and laws. And they mean it. Now there are some who are among them that like Rahab, understand the mercy of God. But by and large these days, it is turning bad for us as Christians. And that is not to frighten you, but it is to put you in an attitude of as the warriors, as the soldiers, as the men and people of the Holy God, Jehovah, and his son is Jesus. We need to be that kind of people that have compassion on those people who we can befriend, like Rahab, do you know who Rahab became? Look her name up in the Bible. Follow it. She became the 
great, great, great grandmother of David. And who was David's son? Who was David's son? Jesus Christ, through the line of David. Rahab, to David, to Jesus. Unbelievable. Redemption. Incredible. And that is who we worshipped this past week. The birth of Jesus Christ. And his great, 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 great grandmother was Rahab, a harlot. Oh, the mercy and the grace of God. And that same grace we can appropriate, we can receive because of his love through Jesus Christ to us. And we follow that Joshua, our Savior, our King, our warrior King. May that be your thoughts and your understanding as we go through 2020.